0: Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the what podcast, I'm Tara. And I'm Cassidy. We've got a
1: great show coming up. It's just going to be Tara and I today. And we're going to talk a little Olympics, a little trade deadline, and a little bit of what's going on around the league. But to get us going, we're going to start with our icebreaker. So, suggested to us by a listener, Lisa, we wanted to dive into a little bit more about players. And since the Blazers got a few new players recently, we wanted to learn, what have we learned about one of our new players? Either Ariza... Wenyan or Swannigan. Want to kick
0: us off, Tara? Sure. I'll go first. <laughs> I was very excited to get uh, Caleb Swannigan back on the team. Uh, I enjoyed him when he was with the team the first time, learning about him and learning a, a little bit about his past. he um, It was quite a journey for him to make it into the NBA um, but he did, which is awesome. And one fun, cool thing that I learned about him this weekend is that he, over the summer, got his degree from Purdue. And I always think it's so great when guys go back and finish their degree because that's I mean, getting to the NBA is a very hard thing to do, so is getting your college degree. So I thought that was I thought that was great that he that he did that. How about you? That what, is awesome. What's one okay. fact that you've learned about one of the new players? So in my mission to
1: forgive Trevor Ariza for the Rudy Fernandez incident, I've gone on a deep dive of learning as much about Trevor Ariza as I possibly could, and good news for those of you who were hoping I would change my mind, I feel like I've hit the turning point, I'm now cheering for him, no no holding back, so I think just learning a little bit about his life and where his inspiration comes from, I learned that he lost his brother pretty young in life. and. That has kind of been his driving force in a lot of ways, is kind of living out the dreams that his brother had. And so I think watching him play and with that intent, and then also watching him play and enjoying it, I think has been a fun process to get to know Trevor Ariza more. And I learned that he has a wonderful little family and they're adorable. So he tends to be a little bit quiet, but uh, it's exciting to learn a little bit more about him.
0: Good. I'm glad that you're coming around. It uh, seems like it's been a good fit. I've really enjoyed watching yeah. him play. And this is a really frivolous comment. But I've noticed that um, he, w- the uniform looks really good on him.
1: Like, yeah, <laughs> like I always he thought- looks like he'd be one of those players where they'd be like you. For photo shoot days, where they're like, we need these
0: uniforms, just stand here, right? Like, like it's just it's a naturally a good fit for him. I always thought Ed Mm -hmm. Davis wore the uniform really well, and I think Trevor Reza has kind of taken on that. It's just like the style of the uniform just looks really good on him. So, but aside from that, also him hitting corner threes regularly, awesome. We'll take it. I will always take a corner three. (laughs) Um, What about uh, Gabriel? Have you read much up on Wenyan? Not too much yet, but it's been fun to see him get some minutes. Can you imagine having your first NBA start be under the conditions that he started? No,
1: absolutely not. But wow. like Way to step up to the plate. I mean, obviously everyone has room for improvement, but like (laughs) way to step up.
0: Yeah. Like. That's like, impressive to me. In the starting lineup against LeBron James, gets a block against JaVale McGee, like who just dunks all over the Blazers for the last couple years, just coming yeah. right out and uh, that was that was great. And yeah. just like the whole the pressure of all that night was extremely intense, and for yeah. him to yeah he's he's cool he's he. Looks like – he's one of those guys who looks like he's taller than he really is because I think he's only like 6'9 yeah. or 6'10, but I, he just seems like a 7-foot guy to me. <laughs> yeah, he does seem a lot tall. He just plays like a tall guy. I don't know. Maybe I'm – right. are you looking it up right now so you can correct I'm me?
1: Looking I'm looking up right? his height right
0: now. Trying to find it. He's got big old arms. Like He's 6'9, so not okay, too yeah. tall. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. But, he, I mean, he looks taller than that. Maybe he's got really long arms. I don't know. But yeah. um, I – you know the Blazers were have been except for last night we'll just pretend that the game against Denver never happened mm-hmm. we're just gonna like flash our memories like <laughs> that never happened <laughs> um because other than that they had you know a pretty good week and um one of the things that I really liked about the week is not only you know obviously Damian Lillard has just been gone has gone nuclear but uh The younger players is just always – this whole year, that's the most exciting thing to me and to have another player to add into the mix. And uh, I don't expect he's going to start very much, but that was fun. But Mm -hmm. him also just coming in at the end of the games has also been fun too. So cool. All right. Well, I have in our show notes talking about the icebreaker. So as everybody, or not the icebreaker, the tagline, as everybody who's put up with us this, this far knows, we are working on our new tagline and we had a little conversation before hopping on to record. And I think we're getting close, but we decided we're going to table it, but stay tuned because we will, we will have something fun, uh, to announce our updated tagline. But aside from that. We are we're recording this on Wednesday, which is we're uh, less than 24 hours before the trade deadline. So how's trade deadline watch going for you, Cassidy?
1: It has been crazy. I was so like I was just watching it so intently yesterday and then I had to go to bed. And of course I go to bed and then trades happen. And I was like. Why do I work so early in the morning? Um,
0: <laughs> so, what's your preferred uh, like way to consume trade deadline stuff? Like, how do you get your news? Uh, Is do you watch the TV?
1: It's a combination. So during during work days, it's a little bit harder to keep yeah. up with it all. But um,
0: you and I both work very hard, and we yes. never ever think about <laughs> basketball. We only focus on our jobs while we're yeah there. right yeah sure. Uh, <laughs> Only only focus on the job.
1: Yeah. Um. So I think I definitely check in Bleacher Report, check in, I mean, Woj. You got yeah. I, I, Woj and Champs. But then I think I definitely like to watch the trade specials. I like people to explain to me why money is transferring hands. Because let's be real, the CBA is not my expertise. That's why we have the wonderful Britt, an amazing Brit that helps us out with those things. Because I just... I'm just like, where are the players going? Where are the who's on what roster? What's happening? And so I think my my preferred way is every which way I can get my hand on trade information. That's the long way of saying
0: that. Yeah. I I'm, I mostly have my notifications turned on on my phone. And at this point, Woj is just messing with us, which is yeah. super annoying. But let's be real, I would totally do the same thing if I was him. <laughs> yeah. That one retweet, everybody was like, (gasps) and then it's like a, Uh. come on, Woad, you're killing us. And he he started, last night he also had one that was like, a trade between, you know, it was like, a a trade between the Lakers and Minnesota does not look likely, or something like that. It was just like, he put like the important words up front, so like, before you like, opened it up and made it look big, it looked like something big had happened, and then it was like, oh, this didn't happen. It was like, oh, my God. <laughs> He's just messing with us. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, what's happening. So the one that did happen last night was really big and complicated, and I still am not quite sure what's going on. There were four teams, Houston, Atlanta, Minnesota, and Denver. You know, important to us, I think, partly because two of those four teams are in the Northwestern division. Um mm-hmm. So Houston now is playing without a center, which is – because they traded Capella. I just want to know what the plan is. Like what are you planning on doing? Yeah, people are saying with a straight face – like people that like know basketball are saying to me with a straight face that Houston is now going to play small ball. And I can't believe that that is like the total plan. I can't believe they're not going to have like one tall guy.
1: Yeah. So you're gonna play small ball, but what do you do when you're playing? Once we have Nurkic back, and you're playing Nurkic and Whiteside, gonna play side by side against us, and you know whatever playoff
0: match. Like, what are you gonna do? I guess all they do is shoot threes. I mean, that's all they they do now. Line up around the perimeter, and they don't even try to go in, and they shoot threes. I don't know. It seems a little bit foolhardy to me, but. That's what the word is. Although things aren't done. I guess they could get somebody. But I feel there's also been on Twitter a lot of jokes about poor P.J. Tucker being the 6'5 guy playing center. And I have to say when the Blazers played Houston the other night, before any of this happened, I was like – Wow, you know, PJ Tucker looks kind of like he's aged a lot in the last year, and it happens. Age comes for all of us, and I'm sure he's obviously he's like a billion times in better shape and you know like more capable than I ever would be on my best day after training my entire life for it. But he's going to be asked to do a lot of that a the lot other guy. And I was just like, oh, he looks so tired, and he's <laughs> not like. He's gonna
1: ask to like run a few more like run run around the court a little more. He's being asked to guard seven foot, seven foot plus people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Imagine if you had a back to back where like one night you guard Jokic and then the next night like like you have to guard Embiid or something like that.
1: Like that's just a beat down on your poor body.
0: Like no, Oh. Did you know that it was the 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 t- the a trade that had the. The biggest trade in like twenty years, um, in terms of four teams and twelve players, is what they. That had. is a lot of
1: players moving yeah. hands, the and last... a lot of former Blazers or just one former Blazer.
0: Uh, there, there were no there. There were more than one on the move, and I don't. I, I'm I'm not going to try to recount for you who started where and ended up where, but I could figure out who ended up places. <laughs> so Denver is going to have. At the end of, as after all is said and done, Denver is going to have Shabazz Napier, Mason Plumley, Noah Vonley, and Will Barton. So Shabazz and Noah uh, just moved on to Denver. Okay. Um, and they gained and Gerald
1: Will. Green too. So they yeah. gained a green.
0: Yes. Another another team gets a green with Portland waiting for a green. We don't have a yeah. green yet. Um, Minnesota is now going to have Alan Crabb and Evan Turner. Along with Jake Layman, I've heard talk about possible buying out of Evan Turner, but I don't even know about any of that. But they also have David Vanterpool, the former assistant coach. Yeah. So stocked up on Trailblazers over in with the Timberwolves, and then of course also in not involved in the trade at all, but also in the Northwest Conference is Ed Davis. So basically, there's former Portland Trailblazers all over all all up and down the Northwest Conference I guess there isn't any in OKC but I guess soon enough anyway a complicated trade biggest trade that has happened in 20 years the last one I looked it up the last time a huge trade like this happened was in 2000 when Patrick Ewing went to Seattle I remember that do you remember that I'm not even gonna yeah, that was not crazy even gonna read the whole list of players, but there were a lot of there, were obviously a lot, because there were twelve. Um the one the biggest trade that I remember the Portland Trailblazers being involved with was the uh Scottie Pippen. Cause that was like seven players were involved. Yeah. And the reason the only reason I remember it, or the, the not the only reason, but one of the reasons that I really remember it is because uh Stacy Ogman was cut and then re-signed, and I had a friend that I was that always every time he saw Stacey Ogman, he'd go Plastic Man, Plastic Man, all the time. So like as long as Stacey Ogman was on the team, like every time me and my me or my husband see anything about Stacy Ogman, we're like Plastic Man. <laughs> Wasn't his nickname the Rubber Man? I thought it was plastic. I don't know. Our our friend <laughs> used to always say Plastic Man. If that's uh, it was definitely what my friend said. I do not know if that was actually. His. <laughs> oh are you my god, that's so good! I that would really so want to. Funny of all it. these years I've been saying it wrong. It would be typical. And who knows what? Uh, what is basketball? Ref- basketball reference probably says something like "P Man" or something like that, or "R Man," because the basketball oh. reference names are always so weird.
1: They're really weird. My favorite is the sweet melon, which is Mellows.
0: The sweet, like, have, has anyone ever? I, there's got to be somebody who just makes those up.
1: I think it's the translation of his uh, nickname in Chinese. Oh, is that one? Okay. But I can't find Stacy Ogman's. But we will, we will get back to everybody on that.
0: Okay. <laughs> anyway, no, no rumblings at this point. It was the Plastic Man. Oh, it was Plastic Man. Plastic Man. Yeah better than being
1: named the rubber man
0: yeah (laughs) um yeah i don't know what any other any thoughts you've got besides um about the big trade that just happened
1: no it'll be it'll be really interesting and i'm really interested to see what houston does but besides that it's a lot of movement i'm kind of wondering if any of these players will move again before tomorrow is over um I don't know. It's a wild trade deadline and I never know what's happening until it's happened. So. I'm ready for it, but I have been interested in all the other trade rumors going around, Um, and I know that we also had another one as trade rumors are swirling in in Miami.
0: uh, They're in the eye of the hurricane of it all, and they've gotten Iguodala. Um, We need to talk to somebody from Memphis about this to find out how they're (coughs) feeling about this.
1: Yeah, because I have a lot of opinions and I'm not, I'm not like related to the situation at all. But I just, how do you take half a year off and not play, then go on ESPN and say that you really are looking forward to playing with young talent, but you're on a team with John Morant,
0: and then you get traded. I guess you really wanted to play with Tyler Hero. I don't know. But all the. Like
1: I thought he'd be traded, he wouldn't sign an extension. He'd go back to Golden State for a veterans minimum. He signs a thirty million an extension. What? Yeah, I'm just I'm baffled. I'm confused. I want to know how the people of Memphis feel. I I want to know the whole story, but I just I mean, good for him. He got paid a lot of money to kind of set up his future career. So.
0: Yeah. If we were only also lucky. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I just, I feel like, I, I mean, I, I felt bad for him for a while just because, mm-hmm. like, he'd kind of talked himself out of playing and then suddenly the team got really fun. And so he was just sort of in this awkward situation where it's like, what do I do? Just, like, go knock on the door and go, oh, hi, can I come yeah. back in? Or do I sit it out? So I like that whole thing was, was really awkward. So I want, yeah, I wonder how they feel in Memphis and uh, I wonder what will happen. Well, another player who, well, he was, he was traded from Memphis to uh, Atlanta, but Chandler Parsons got cut, which is, you know, sad because he was in an accident, an auto accident, and is dealing with injuries. So that's a bummer and who knows if he's gonna be able to play um basketball again. But do recall that he was one of the players that Neil Olshay went after in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows?
1: Oh Maybe. wow, that would just be a real <laughs> twist if we signed Chandler Parsons who's not gonna play this year. Um <laughs>
0: I don't but think I, it'll happen, obviously. But, you know, he's one of those 2016 guys. You never know. Never know. It's always – with the Portland, it's always what you least expect, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know if anybody's ever, like, really predicted what's going to happen at a Portland trade deadline because it's just madness.
0: Yeah, it always comes just completely out of the blue and it's like yeah looking at like – I saw a trade today from someone that I like and respect very much. It was a trade machine trade that involved Yusuf Nurkic and I was like, that's it. We're done. I just like turned my phone off. I was like, nope, no, no. more of this. I can't. I can't. We are not even just talking about Yusuf Nurkic. Just
1: because you can – just because you can plug every player into the trade machine, it does not mean you should ever be plugging anyone's name into the trade machine who's named Yusuf Nurkic or Damian Lillard. I don't want to hear it. Fine, plug it, plug in CJ, but like it's not going to work. It's fine. Um, but what? are you doing? Oh, people are crazy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> people get desperate during the trade deadline. This madness needs to end. Unfortunately, yeah. it will end tomorrow. And the next time we talk, we will have a better idea. And we'll also, I mean, I guess, and we'll know if they have an extra roster spot for trying to sign anybody else into it, but let's move yeah. on. Yeah.
1: So let's talk a little bit of headlines around the league. We got uh, news that Patty fastball is going to fly again, getting invited to the dunk competition. I bet you are excited about this. Are you excited?
0: I am excited. I feel like I, before I can get too excited about Pat Connaughton, I need to make the necessary complaints about Anthony Simon's not making it. But Preach. I'm really yeah. excited for Pat Connaughton because yeah. like, he, that, that dude rode the bench for a long time in Portland and was a really good guy. He was a really good yeah. teammate, a really good bench guy, and then got in, got some run. Now he's having a good time, and if people don't know – how good Pat Connaughton is at jumping and dunking. Now they're going to know. And I'm excited. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited. I'm just
1: hoping maybe somebody's like, Oh, I don't want to do it. Calling him for any because he deserves to be there.
0: So, I mean, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute here, but at
1: this point, I don't want
0: any blazer to be jumping anywhere that they yes, don't need to be true. jumping. So yes. Wrap yourselves in wrap and no jumping. Um, <laughs> Okay, but playing devil's advocate, if you were, you know, somebody who is not following the Blazers and, mm-hmm. you, like, why would you, like, what would compel you to think that Anthony Simons should be in the dunk contest? Well, he
1: jumped the highest ever when it came. He broke Pat Connaughton's record, I believe, at, a. Draft combine for the highest jump ever, and also what would combine? What would ever possess me to want to watch Dwight Howard dunk? <laughs> so well, really, that's my backup. There yeah. is like I don't want to watch Dwight do this again. That was such a long, drawn out, full of props dunk contest with many great highlights. I will say, but I just want less props and more dunking. And I feel like Anthony is the kind of player who would just like. You'd know who he was after that dunk contest.
0: He Everyone would, very would know. Very pure. Yeah. No, I I agree that it would be great, but like just from for other from other teams' perspectives, he doesn't play a ton. He barely dunks in, and you know I don't know how many dunks he has this year compared to Pat Connaughton, but I don't think mm-hmm. he has very many, yeah, uh, at all. And uh, I think they probably run plays for Connonton to dunk. That's probably what he does is either dunks or shoots threes. Doesn't have as much of the ball handling responsibility like Anfernee does and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, I know as a Portland, as a good Portland Trailblazers fan, I should be super upset that Anfernee Simons is not dunking. It is somewhat mollified by the fact that Pat Conton is dunking and Anfernee will be around for a long time. This is I just I don't think this is his year.
1: Yeah, I really wanted Pat to make it while he played for us. So it is really exciting to just see it happen. So
0: do you think he's going to do what kind of fancy things do you think he's going to do? I just want him to jump as high as he possibly
1: can because it's so entertaining. It's just amazing to me that anyone can fly like that. It's just so cool. I don't know. I don't know what anyone's going to pull out, but I expect great things and I expect no hoverboards.
0: (laughs) Maybe he'll do a baseball themed one. That would be amazing. Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm for that. Um, But what else is going on around the league? Um, So the NBA made a big uh uh-oh with January's Western Conference Player of the Month. Um, I don't know if it was a typo, and they just didn't want to take it back. Um, But LeBron? Mm -hmm. Why? Over Dame? In this month? No. Opinions go. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I can see why they did it. I have—I feel like I have to play the bad guy yeah. this whole time. I can see why they did it. Uh, Lakers had a better... When I was reading up on it and I re- read somewhere, I think it was Casey Holdall said something about how often the player of the month is predicated a lot on wins and losses of the team. And the team, um, you know, the Lakers had a better record. But what I didn't realize... And correct me if I'm wrong. We should double check this. The Blazers had a winning record in January. I'm so excited about this. I think they went eight and seven.
1: Let's mm-hmm. confirm
0: that so that I don't like go out and. seven Eight. Yep. They had eight wins and seven losses. So winning record. Yes. Including beating those Lakers. Yes. With LeBron. beating LeBron. With Wenyan Gabriel terrorizing him. On the court, yeah. I mean,
1: so anyway, Damian Lillard's just plain playing out of this world. Yeah,
0: yeah. He 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 clearly was on another plane um, for a week and a half, so it wasn't the full thirty days. And you know, LeBron. They gave it to LeBron because of the speech that he gave at Kobe's funeral. I mean. That's it. I don't know why they couldn't have given him. I mean, I guess, would you rather have had him? How about this? Look at it this way. If they could only give it to Damian, one to Damian Lillard, would you rather have LeBron have gotten player of the week for that week that Damian Lillard was so stellar? Or would you rather have LeBron get player of the month in a month where Damian was stellar for a week and a half or two weeks? I mean, I know those those aren't the rules, but maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm reaching for straws. Yeah. (laughs) I'm
1: just trying to get it. I mean, and he is the first Laker to become player of the month since Kobe 13 years ago.
0: Really? The Lakers haven't had a player of the month for that long since Who's been Kobe. getting player of the month this whole time? Well, I guess LeBron's only been there for a little while and he didn't have a great... It was probably Cleveland. He was getting it when he was in Cleveland in Miami. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, that's interesting. So I think it's been a rough
1: month for the Lakers. I guess they can have this yeah. one.
0: But also, Damian is fueled by stuff like this. Like, this yeah. is what I, makes him oh. live. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I'm hoping that the Denver showing was kind of just like, they've all been on such an emotional roller coaster for two weeks. And then you go up to a mile high, and then you're like, great, try to breathe. (laughs) I think maybe you just, some days is just not your day, and that was not their day. And I think now we'll see the wrath of Damian Lillard Mm -hmm. come out and be mad about this, so
0: like I I'll take like it. to say in that situation, sometimes you're the windshield and sometimes you're the bug. And last night they were – I mean that – was it the second quarter where they scored 10 points? 10 points. I was – like for the last four minutes of that quarter, I was like, just get it to 10. Just get it to 10. <laughs> just get it to 10. And like the league gets bigger and bigger and bigger and people are like, they're down by 20. They're never going to make it to 10 Before half. And I'm like, no, 10 points in the quarter. Just get it to 10 points in the quarter. Oh, God. So sad. But
1: it happens. It happens. Um, It doesn't make it any easier. But it does happen. Um, So moving to the East Coast, uh, Nick's president is out and no one is
0: surprised. (laughs) Oh, the Knicks. Okay, why would you fire your? Why would you do this two days before the trade deadline? Because why not? (laughs) You're not going to do anything. Because you have all the power forwards you need. (laughs) It's
1: not like you can fire Dolan. So just start firing people, get a whole new front office, and then maybe look introspectively at your life and why the team is the way that it is. Like when your whole arena is chanting for you to sell the team, maybe you take a look at what's going on in your life. I, I, I whatever the next, no one's surprised. Things are going to happen. I hope someday they're good for their fan base's sake. Because anyone who can stick it out with a team this long, like we've had our years with the Blazers, but at least we've always there's always been like the. I think Knicks fans are just sad right now. Yeah. I just I don't think there's been a lot of hope for them. And I feel bad for them.
0: There's a lot of dark <sighs> humor that is, <sighs> I think, uh sustaining the Knicks fans right now. We gotta have Tina mm-hmm. on too. She's so funny to talk to <laughs> mm-hmm. about the Knicks. She's very realistic about it. And but still it's so fun. To, it's so funny to talk to people. From fan bases, not funny. It's so interesting to talk to people from fan bases that are really struggling who just love the team and you get like little glimpses of of like I I mean, so many times have how many times have I said to myself, at least the Portland Trailblazers aren't the Knicks? But there are people who love the Knicks and it's great to talk to them and get their perspective on what's going on. Yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Well, let's move from the league back to the Olympics. Again, it's 2020 Olympic year. So you and I are learning more about basketball at the Olympics in celebration. And today, the day we are recording Wednesday, is Girls and Women in Sports Day There's like a hashtag, and every time I look at it, I can't remember what the letters stand for. But it's basically girls and women in sports. We're celebrating girls and women in sports today. Mm -hmm. So you learned about – why don't you take it from here? I learned
1: a little bit about the 1976 Olympics in Montreal, Canada, where women's basketball made their first appearance as an Olympic sport. And boy, oh boy, are there so many things I had no idea about. That year. Right on. Um, Let's hear it. It is fascinating. And I kind of did a little bit of a deep dive on that Team USA. Uh, They were coached by Billie Jean Moore. Their co captains were Julian Simpson and Pat Summit. Huh. The legendary Pat Summit was the co captain on the first ever Team USA women's basketball team um, for the Olympics. Uh, Tryouts were kind of. Insanity, there was a Pan American Games before. And so those 12 players were invited to come to trials. The rest of the players found out via newspaper ad announcing trials, searching for athletes to play women's basketball.
0: Wait, so they Um, selected 12 and invited 12 and then just put out a general call? For the rest of the team. Um, And so what happened was my dog
1: found a toy and made his way into my room. Let's okay. go out there. That's okay. Okay, so if you hear squeaking, it's just Watson. Um, so the they put out an ad and a bunch of people applied. And from those trials, 34 made it to the Olympic trials. Um, and at the Olympic trials, at that point, 11 players were selected by a committee. And then Coach Moore was allowed to select one additional player. And Coach Moore was not on the committee to sec- select the players that we're going to play for her, um, which just kind of blew my mind that the coach wasn't involved, but got to pick one person and pick Nancy Lieberman, who I think she always felt was the future of basketball. And that's really why that pick happened.
0: So did, um, wait, so did Nancy Lieberman come from the whole rest of the field? Like they had the 12 that were selected and then Nancy was the extra? I believe so. I am not positive on that,
1: um, but there is a lot of information about different things, and I believe that she was a college player. I'm not exactly sure. I need to go down more of a deep dive, because I could talk about this for forever. But she was selected out of just the 34 in general that made to that trials. Um, and they had only four, like four to six weeks as a team to practice together before they had to make it to the Olympic qualifiers. No one expected this team to make it to the qualifiers at all. It was not expected for the US to make the Olympics that year. It just kind of was not a thing. Wow. In contrast, Russia had players that had been playing together for up to 10 years.
0: Okay, so the other women's teams at the time because this was 76. Okay, Six. so there has, yeah. there are other like tons of other leagues around the yeah. world.
1: And we don't have a women's national league at that time. We don't have any kind of national women's uh, coverage or sport. In basketball. And so it was kind of a drawing from anywhere that you could to find these athletes and put together the best team that you possibly could. And so their preparation was intense. They did two a days. So if anybody's ever been an athlete, you know those two a day practices, Um, the entire lead up to the qualifiers. And they never played against another women's team. They only played against men's teams. Okay. So everything from the highest level college men's basketball team to high school teams. uh, Moore, in an article that I read by Justin Block from the Huffington Post, where they did a long, extensive oral history of this team, Moore was quoted as saying, one time we played a a boys' high school all-star team, and they quit at halftime. They didn't come back out of the locker room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they went so they, are- they weren't holding back. This team was in it to win it. Um, they did end up losing against one high school basketball team. And they just like, it was just known from that day on that it was not going to ever happen again, that they were, they were going to come out and they were going to fight for it. And they, it was there was like no question.
0: He that they never talked yeah. about.
1: So they finally get to the Ontario, uh, to, olympic qualifiers in hamilton and they didn't have a lot of confidence it sounded like but they got through their first game and they won They got through their second game and they won and they're like yeah we're feeling pretty good they went five and oh for the rest of that tournament and they qualified for the olympics uh there was a little bit of a gap between qualifiers and going to montreal and There was no arrangements made for this team to stay anywhere, go anywhere, travel, because no one expected them to make it. Oh, my Um, God. When they arrived in Montreal, no arrangements had been made for them to stay in the Olympic Village. So all 12 of them stayed in one apartment with bunk beds set up in every room. They didn't even have a place in the Olympic Village? Oh, my God. Nope. It was in the village. They got one apartment. So they hadn't arranged for the whole team to stay. So they arranged for, and they just brought in bunk beds. They all just slept on the floor, slept. Oh there was, God. I'm having, there's bunk beds the in like the kitchen.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> the bachelor mansion, except for oh way, smaller. <laughs> way smaller,
1: way <Yeah>. smaller, <laughs> <laughs> way smaller, one, one apartment. Um, and they were actually, once uh, they made it to the Olympics, they're in the Olympic village. They're all staying in this crazy apartment And they are the first game of the tournament. So the US women's uh, team got to play the first ever women's Olympic basketball game. And it is very clear from everything that I've read that their coach knew the impact of this. She knew that they weren't just going in there to win a medal. They weren't just going in there to play a game. They were going in there to make history and to change the future. And that's what they did. And so they talked about the first game. And there's a quote from a player talking about how they played at the first game ever. It's the 9 a.m. game. And they didn't win the tip. And she's watching the player she's guarding run down that floor. And she's about to score the first ever basket. And she just goes, nope. And hard fouls her. Because she is not going to be She's going to score that first bucket of the first ever Olympics for women's basketball. And that's what she went on and did. Next play, she turned around. She scored the first bucket. She says that there might not be a record of this, but she did it. And she also takes credit for the first assist to ever happen in that game as well. So I thought that that just shows the intensity of they were ready to win. And they could have been happy just making it. They weren't happy just making it. So they keep winning games. They face a few other issues. Japan faced them with a bigger problem than they ever expected, losing that game and then kind of regrouping and then facing Russia. So they lost Which, to Japan? They lost to Japan, um, regrouped, won a few more games. We're kind of in that middle range at that point again and end up facing Russia. And uh, Russia at the time had seven-foot center. Well, some Jonov, no, how I, I looked this up a million times. I try to say it. Oljana, um, some Jonova, and the seven footer was just a little bit too much for this team to handle. That team had been playing together for a really long time. They lost that game, and it took them out of gold gold medal contention, but put them into silver medal contention. Still with one game left in the tournament, but I guess. Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain were there at a lot of those games to watch the team and watch them practice. They're playing in the same arena and Bill Russell was uh, once said to the coach uh, that it was a mistake that the coach should have pulled the last player on her bench to go out there and deck their seven footer <laughs> because that is the only chance they stood to win the game.
0: Okay. <laughs> That's so Bill Russell.
1: Um <laughs> And I guess Wilt Chamberlain used to sit at the table and just watch things go by because he was just shocked that their player was taller than him. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, she's bigger than me. Like, what is happening? Um, so the U.S. lost the game against Russia and ended up facing Czechoslovakia in the final game of the tournament. And it's clear from all the player testaments that before that game happened, there was a, a, a talk again about the fact that this was history being made. They weren't they weren't just doing this for the medal. They weren't just doing this to to be in the game. They were doing this to change everything about women's basketball, not just they really were thinking much bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the thing that I took away from reading all about them is They just changed it for everyone. And uh, Lieberman remembers uh, Billy Moore looking them in the eye and saying, ladies, this will change women's basketball for the next 25 years. This is more than just a win. This is more than just a medal. And that's what that team went out and did. They went out and they won. They won the silver medal in the first ever Olympics to feature women's basketball. And they did change the sport worldwide for women and girls from that point on. So... I am amazed by this team. I am going to go on so many deep dives, learning everything I can about them. I was so touched by this story and learning about Coach Moore. They were terrified of her.
0: Oh, and, really? Yeah, she was scared. They said so they, had if you, female, they had a female coach. Yes.
1: Yeah, she's the first coach. Yep, I didn't not mess that up. Cool.
0: That
1: would have been really embarrassing. Um, but she was their, fo- there was their coach, and just like. Players described being terrified of her. They were like, if you thought Pat Summit had a stare, (laughs) you didn't know anything because we played for more. That was a different kind of stare. And so I think just the impact that that team made, and they were quite a diverse team too, which I think even makes it cooler being the first ever women's team to go in there with a diverse group from all walks of life and just go in there. After four or six weeks knowing each other and win a medal. Just,
0: just crazy. And I'm so inspired by them. Yeah. Yeah. I totally want to go learn more about them now. That's super cool. Yeah. It is, it is really fun to do deep dives on these. You can really get, (laughs) really Mm -hmm. get sucked in. The internet is an amazing place. And I,
1: yes. And I do highly recommend the article that I got a lot of this information from. It is, uh, a Huffington Post article by Justin Block, and it is called "The Oral History of the Olymp- uh, Women's Olympics: uh, Women's Basketball First Olympics." So awesome!
0: Send me that, and I'll put it in the I'll put it in the notes because that sounds that sounds really great. I remember when I went to the Basketball Hall of Fame a couple of years ago; they have a whole section of our whole set of awards for teams that are inter- in- inducted as teams mm-hmm. and I was so surprised at how many going way 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 back how many women's teams were inducted into the Hall of Fame lots of barnstorming teams there's just mm-hmm. like a whole a history of women playing basketball out there that just deserves to be talked more about so we'll have to we'll have to touch on that as as time goes by well, okay, so while you were talking, my phone started buzzing. So I'm – and I have – there are trades that are happening, so I don't know what they are. I haven't looked, but I, I – they look like they were – unless there was a series of ones where Woj was totally trolling us. I think some stuff has happened, so we should probably log off and go find out what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> yeah. Um. So – before we log off for the night, let me just uh, tell everybody they can find the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks on Twitter. If you haven't already subscribed to Blazers Edge, go to Blazers Edge and you'll get the weekly podcast and this one. And oh, speaking of Blazers Edge, Blazers yeah. Edge <laughs> night is coming up. So please go to the site and purchase a ticket. Those tickets you can donate to uh, kids and their chaperones who are looking to go to a basketball game. We have 2000 uh, people who have requested tickets and we do not have enough tickets yet to cover mm-hmm. them. So please consider getting online and w- there will be um, a link in the Blazers Edge article to take you there so that you can follow the instructions. So that we can make sure we have enough to send kids there. Um, so yeah, that's about it for me. Um, I can be oh yeah, I can be found at TCB Bigs on Twitter. If I didn't already say that, Cassidy, why don't you take us out of here?
1: And you can find me at Cassidy Gamet on Twitter. We love your email. Send us your email, please. We need your all your suggestions, all your opinions. We want to know who your favorite women's basketball player of all time is. You can email us at where where. <laughs> And talks <laughs> at gmail.com. Talks gmail.com. I know our email. Um, uh, so that'll do it for tonight. And until next time, go Blazers. Bye. <laughs>